bridge Let's travel the world together She can make it easy and in any kind of weather No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down She's talking from the skies and sending lives of feel-good sounds Oh, Betty, in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt Oh, she's weird and wonderful Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen She's wearing high heel shoes Got her wings on, too You know I've never seen a better stew oh. Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase I'm Betty, I'm a flight attendant for a major airline And I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots and from traveling around the world. In this episode, I was lucky enough to get two major dramatic stories. We're talking like an emergency landing and something falling off an airplane. Uh, some I got some good stories for this show. And uh, the music for this episode is from a listener named Lenore. She sent me this before. It's a She sent me, the Huffington Post put out a whole thing on vintage airline commercials. I used it once before a few episodes ago and these are a couple different commercials and I love the old airline stuff and I also love kind of guts they used to have I mean Continental had an advertising campaign saying we really move our tail for you (laughs) I love it and in this episode I'm gonna really move my tail for you Is this, is this a Pan Am story? I love Pan Am stories. They're my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I was on a six-day trip from Miami to London, and then London to Washington, D.C. Um, leaving London, going to Washington, D.C. We had just gotten up to start the beverage service when this gentleman motioned me over to the window. Yeah. And he said, something's missing out there. <laughs> And I looked out, and we had lost an engine. Are you serious? I thought you were going to say it was one of those dumb stories where someone is like, you know, they think that there's... No. But no, you actually, you actually did lose something? We did lose an engine. <laughs> it fell off. Wait a minute. Nobody else knew at this point? No. And the passenger... I'm sorry. The passenger is the one who noticed there was an engine yeah. missing? He, knew, he said there was something out there before, and it's not there. <laughs> <laughs> so I get on the phone and call the carpet. And of course, they're sensing something is definitely wrong. Right. And so we prepared to go back to London for um, an emergency landing. Yeah. Made it okay. See, I just assumed it was going to be a dumb passenger story. You know what I mean? But actually, it was right. Um, they found the engine in a farmer's field. Really? Yeah. <laughs> no, but did the farmer know it was there? Did he hear it or anything? No, he just was doing his crops and <laughs> found this engine there. <laughs> and it's like, excuse me, I think there's something missing out there. <laughs> yeah. Something, something was there before, and it's not there. And the engineer comes running down and looks out, and he turns white. I bet. And he goes running back up to the cockpit. They just had trouble steering the plane because we were losing yeah. 
Yeah, what was missing? It was. It the was wave gone. is off. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed, but the emotion, um, emotional, the emotional support dog thing is kind of—it's getting out of control. A lot of people, you see a lot of actresses. Everybody wants to bring their dog. Everybody wants to have their dog out, and apparently, it's not very difficult to get, you know, a note from a doctor. You don't even think you have to go to the doctor. You just have to call in and say you're you're stressed, and you know your dog provides you comfort, whatever. And then you can say your dog's an emotional support dog. It's kind of a scam. It's kind of getting out of hand. Other people see other people doing it. Now everybody wants to bring their dog. So it's a problem. But <laughs> I don't see it as much because uh, most people, I fly international and most people don't want to bring their dog international because then, you know, you got you to find someone to watch it for you. <laughs> but domestically, it's a problem. But I heard from this other uh, flight attendant who flies domestic a lot that this passenger had an emotional support duck. <laughs> a duck! What is it going to be next? I don't know. <laughs> Where are we going? This is my emotional support alligator. Anyway, they had an emotional support duck. And I know this is corny, but she was saying, what's his name? Donald? This one is close to my heart, actually, because... Okay, so what happened? Um, you're walking through the aisle, and you have a tray of Cokes and 7-Ups. Right. And the passenger asks, well, which is, which is a Coke and which is a 7-Up? And you just kind of stare at him and go, well, you know, I don't know, because I didn't pour it. <laughs> <laughs> so this senior flight attendant was telling me she had David Carradine on board, you know, from Kung Fu. And uh, she said he was dressed like maybe he came from the set or whatever, but he was dressed like the character from Kung Fu. And he had a, a big guitar with him. <laughs> and she was like, this is like he stepped right out of TV. But he, he was sitting in first class and he was sitting at the window and he had his guitar strapped into the aisle seat. And she was like, I'm sorry, um, you're going to need to move the guitar to the window seat and you sit in the aisle seat. And he said, first you make me buy a seat for the guitar and now the guitar has to have a view. <laughs> but of course, she was just telling him to move because the guitar was blocking his exit in case there was an emergency. But he was like, the guitar has to have a view. A couple of girls were on a beverage cart. And this man, gentleman, comes on, and he takes his seat, and he looks just like you would picture Jesus Christ oh. with the beard, the hair, yeah. you know. And they're doing the beverage service, and they asked him what he'd like to drink. And he looked at him, and they said, would you like a glass of water? And he said, no, I'd like a glass of wine. I knew you were well, going <laughs> well, Yeah, well, you're the one that can turn this water into wine. <laughs> 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 
And now for a serious subject. I don't know how many of you have heard in the news or read about um, a lot of podcasters are getting sued. Um, it's a problem that could reach me. I don't know. I'm such a little fish. Luckily, I'm not being sued and I haven't been sent a letter. Basically, there's a patent troll. I don't know if you guys know about patent trolls. It's a company that doesn't do anything or produce anything. It just looks for a way to shake down people who are making money. So this company, Personal Audio, applied for a patent basically saying it owns podcasting. They applied for it in 2009, and it was granted in 2012. I've been podcasting for since 2005. How can you now say you own something when I've been doing it for years? I mean, you can't be coming up with it when I've already been doing it, and all these other people have been doing it. But they basically are just using a loophole in the patent system. They are a patent troll, and they're suing... Um, some of the big podcasters, including Adam Carolla, and they're basically saying they own the medium of podcasting. So right now, I'm not getting sued. And the other thing they're doing is they're sending out letters demanding um, licensing fees if you want to continue podcasting. Hopefully, this will get settled um, and it won't trickle down to a little fish like me, but I thought I should let you guys know in case there has to be some abrupt stop or change to the show. It could possibly be because of this, and hopefully I'm worried about it for nothing, but there is something you can do if you want to support podcasting. It doesn't cost any money or anything. It just takes a little bit of time. There's a um, organization that's trying to stop patent trolls, and they are lobbying and um, petitioning Congress to stop patent trolls. And you can go to www.eff.org slash shield, www.eff.org slash shield. And all that, all you're really doing is adding your name to some, you know, to make your officials in Washington know that you want to stop patent trolls. Okay, that's it. That's enough of the serious stuff. And hopefully it won't get down to me. But when you hear about it, you kind of go like, what? What do you mean? What do you mean podcasters are getting sued? I'm flying from Orlando to Detroit. And uh, when you're approaching Detroit, typically you fly over Cleveland. And then uh, you start your descent towards the airport in Detroit. And Cleveland is right on the, the South Shore of Lake Erie. Right. So as we're descending, you know, we usually make a, an announcement to the folks that we're approaching uh, the airport and where we are and I, I told them that we're, we're we just flew over the, the city of Cleveland Ohio and we're flying along the southern shore of Lake Erie as we continue our descent into Detroit etc cetera, etc cetera. so we land I'm standing outside saying goodbye to the people and this woman came up and she says that was a very nice nice flight but you know that wasn't Lake Erie and I go really she goes no that was Lake Michigan I said I really think it was Lake Erie she says, no, I'm, I'm positive that was Lake Michigan. I said, well, you might be right, but I'm going to call my buddy Rand McNally and ask him what he thinks. <laughs> she says, okay, and walked off. So this flight attendant who used to fly Shanghai a lot was telling me this story. She doesn't like to be recorded. So many people don't like to be recorded. Dang it. <laughs> It foils my podcasting plans when they don't want to be recorded. They like to tell me the story. So she said that she used to fly Shanghai a lot, and she was very good friends with 
the speakers. So she was always going to dinner with them and they would help her order because she couldn't read the menu. And uh, she had been to this one particular restaurant a lot, but they had always ordered for her. So now she's out with a crew, a whole table full of them, flight attendants and the pilots. And the one pilot, and she said this guy came down when they were meeting in the lobby, he was wearing them. Like farmer's pants, you know, with the, you know, those, like, where do people even get those anymore? I mean, like the ones with the things that go over your shoulders. I don't even know what they're called. They're not painter's pants. They're farmer's pants that they're like all one piece. And he came down and they were all looking at him like, ooh, that's interesting for a pilot on a layover in Shanghai. But anyway, they're all going out to dinner and they're sitting around the table in this restaurant and, and they're having a very difficult time with the menu. And this guy in the strange hayseed outfit was like, I think this is snake. I think this, I think that this item here is snake. And um, this fighter was like, don't, don't order that then. And he's like, no, I, I never tried. I've never tried it. You know, like when in Shanghai, and uh, she's like, no, don't order, don't order the snake. snake. I'm telling you, I would not order the snake. And he's like, I'm ordering the snake. So he orders the snake. And in comes this guy a little later with this burlap sack full of live snakes. You have to pick it out like you would pick out a lobster, but it's a snake. And she said, this guy's why He doesn't know who ordered the snake. So he's going around the table, opening this bag full of moving snakes. And all, all the flight attendants are screaming. <laughs> She said everybody else in the restaurant, all the other, you know, Chinese people in the restaurant are looking at it like, what's with the screaming Americans? <laughs> well, that's what you get when you order snake. Do you remember in the last show, I did a little segment about how shocked I was that my name, Betty, uh, was making a comeback and it's like one of the big names for 2013. And they called it uh, spunky grandma names like Betty, <laughs> which is an insult in and of itself. Spunky grandma names like Betty. Well, a listener named N. Hunter sent me this, this thing that was on the news. <laughs> it went perfectly with uh, the name it's Betty making a comeback. Everyone here is on a first name basis. My name's Betty. Oh, I know my name is Betty too. <laughs> For 16 years, the Bettys of Nebraska have assembled like this to celebrate the simplicity of their name. Name tags here seem more formality than a necessity. All I gotta say is, hi, Betty! <laughs> Hello, everybody. Even the grandsons of two different Bettys couldn't resist reworking a few popular lyrics. the only one singing. It may look like a boatload of Bettys, 70 at register, but the truth is Bettys are an endangered species. In the 1920s and 30s, Betty was one of the most popular baby names in America. In the decades that followed, there were Bettys everywhere. Betty Grable, Betty Davis, Betty White, Betty Ford. There were even fictional Bettys. Betty Rubble, Betty Boop. Not to mention that one Betty who lived in everyone's kitchen cabinet. I'm Betty Crocker, and I promise you a perfect cake every time you bake. 
But somewhere along the line, the name Betty went out of favor, which is why there are now far more Bettys celebrating birthdays in their 80s. We haven't found any new Bettys anywhere. Little extra. When somebody said you're a real Betty, that was a compliment, right? Yes, right, it really was. What did it mean back in the 20s or 30s? They're hot. <laughs> the Nebraska Bettys, though, didn't just happen by accident. This is how it all started? Yes. The first Betty Club was started by Betty Kruger back in 1994, when she placed a want ad in the local paper. To anyone named Betty or who goes by the name of Betty, would you like to meet other Bettys? <laughs> it was yeah. as simple as that. Yeah. One Betty told another Betty, and soon they had a Betty Club. Even Nebraska's governor has recognized the Bettys. The 28th of April in 2001, he declared that as Betty Day. <laughs> Betty Day? Is that a bank holiday? It should be, shouldn't it? <laughs> Say Betty. Betty. Other ranks may be shrinking. The Bettys are hardly going quietly. If you're Betty and you know it, shake your booty. Do you think the name Betty will make a comeback? I really doubt it at this point. It'd be nice if it would, but I kind of doubt it. Two Bettys, each and every one of you. Flying Continental today, sir? No, not today. You can't fly Continental? Okay, a pilot told me the story and didn't want to be recorded. Uh, get so tired of everybody going, I don't want to be recorded. <laughs> It doesn't help for, with podcast fodder when people have such an aversion to a microphone. Anyway, he was saying that um, they were taxing out in Dallas and the air traffic controller told them to follow the 767. And the pilot got back to the controller and said, that's not a 767, that's a 757, you know, which is a much smaller airplane. And the controller said, oh, I'm sorry, I just got these new glasses and they make everything look bigger. And the pilot got right back to him and said, where'd you get those glasses? I need to get my wife some of those. So I'm always getting myself in pickles while I'm traveling. But you know what? Sometimes you can get yourself in a pickle at home. I haven't done anything like this in a while. I haven't been really stupid in a while. <laughs> but I really outsmarted myself recently. I have been out kayaking. Uh, it's the winter, um, the water's a little cold, so one of my forms of exercising is I take my kayak out. And um, I was bringing it back in, and I, I store it here in my garden off my bedroom. I had already come in to my condo, so I have, uh, I, I'm a safety girl. <laughs> I have a lot of locks on all the doors. And there's a lot of entrances to my condo, which is a little strange. Um, but I had come in my front door, and my front door is the way I usually come in and out of my residence. So I had already come in the front door and locked it and deadbolted it, which has the key. But then I also have a separate deadbolt that doesn't have a key or anything. It's just a physical deadbolt. So I had locked that. Oh, and I had also locked the screen door. So that's four locks. Um, and then I had come in. Uh, but then I still needed to bring my kayak into the garden. So I went out the bedroom sliding glass door and I got the kayak and brought it in and I like wipe it down with the towel and everything. And uh, then I was thinking, oh, you know, I have those um, 
plants I've been meaning to bring in from the car, and I'm still holding my keys, my house keys, my car keys, and I thought, oh, I'll just go bring them in. So I exited through the garden and the door shut, uh, went and got the plants, brought them back in, still wasn't even realizing there was a problem here, and I, I can't open the door. And I was thinking, I can't open my front door, and I was thinking, oh, oh, I locked the screen door when... I thought I was in for the evening. And at, at this point, I'm thinking that's the only problem, right? And that's fine. So I used my key to cut the screen. I'm going to have to get a new screen door. <laughs> and I unlock the screen door. And I think, okay, that's done. And I'm like, well, I can't. I'm trying to get unlock my front door. I can't unlock it. I'm like, what's going on? And I realize, oh, my goodness gracious, I locked that deadbolt that isn't attached to anything else. It's not like a locksmith could pick it. There's no... It's just a physical deadbolt. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm locked out. And I thought, no, no, it's okay. It's all right. I, I, I got this solved. I can handle this. You know, I'm holding my keys. Um, and I thought, I'll go in. There's another door off, like, where my air conditioning unit is. Um, so I have a key to that. So I'm like, all right, that's all right. I can go in that way. And I'm trying to get that. And I realize I've put a... Um, a deadbolt on that door too <laughs> that, is, that is locked from the inside. And I'm thinking, huh. <laughs> now the only saving grace, if I had locked that sliding glass door off my bedroom into the garden, there was no way. I guess somebody would have to break down a door to get in. But I realized that now the garden door just locks from the outside. So it's locked, but my garden has like a pergola, uh, like a slatted wood and uh, there's like a eight foot wall and then it's open. So I thought, all right, well, I guess I might have to figure out how to get in the garden. Uh, and so first I thought, oh, I'll go in from upstairs. I'll drop down from the higher floor. And I, I go up the stairs, I'm looking down going, I think that looks dangerous <laughs> to drop down like in a Mission Impossible from the above floor. <laughs> So then I decided, okay, I got to somehow climb over my garden wall. And I have this restaurant in my front yard. So I, I, I took a chair from the restaurant, of course, making a spectacle of myself for the people who are eating dinner. And I'm going to, I'm going to climb over the garden wall. <laughs> and of course, there's a bunch of plants there. So I got to like move ferns and stuff. <laughs> I got in, everything was fine. But I was thinking, goodness gracious, you know, you got to you got to think before you go get plants out of the car. <laughs> you got you to pay attention, you know, before you really lock yourself out. I want to thank all of you who have gone through my website, bettingthesky.com, to make purchases on Amazon. You know, when you click through my site, I get a little percentage, and people have been doing it, which is so heartwarming. Somebody bought like five CB radios, and people have been buying books and downloading DVDs. It's uh, fantastic. And I also really, this is the truly surprising part, I put a little donate button on my website through PayPal, thinking it was sort of like a throwaway thing. And you know, some people have actually been donating really I mean, you want to talk about really making my day i gotta thank a few people Stuart and george and gordon and james and peter thank you so much literally it's like a happy pill (laughs) 
So you guys have probably heard flight attendants make the PA. I never do this because just not in my character. But, uh, you know, we come to the gate and we say, you know, please remain seated until the, the airplane has come to a complete stop and the captain has turned off the fasten seatbelt sign. This will be your indication. It's safe to move about the cabin. And inevitably, somebody gets up and uh, sometimes we get up and tell them to sit down. But sometimes you'll have a uh, gruff flight attendant get on the PA. I've heard people say, you know, you in the white suit, sit down. And it very embarrassing. But uh, this guy was saying that he was on a flight and he he told the guy, he's like, um, ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. We are still on an active taxiway. And this guy in a blue shirt didn't sit. So he was like, again, he's like, ladies and gentlemen, you need to take your seats. We are on an active taxiway. And he still didn't sit. So he made another PA and he said, would somebody help the deaf guy in the blue shirt sit down? Before this next story, I got to tell you about something or else the story isn't going to make as much sense. Um, as a flight attendant, there's certain things you have to do, certain mandatory things. And every airline might call something different, but they have the same thing. We have to carry around an updated uh, onboard manual. And at my airline, we call it a red book because it has a red cover. It has a red cover so you can spot it easily. And we can't go on a flight without it. It's it's a really important giant book. <laughs> it has everything like say, you know, there's a medical emergency or something. Uh, and maybe you don't remember the steps to take if somebody's in a diabetic coma and that information and a bunch of, you know, emergency information and specifics about different aircrafts are in this book. It's really important. We can't fly without it. It's a, it's a big deal. So you had an emergency landing? You know, I never really have had one. I've had them like foam the runway once, but I've never had an actual emergency landing. It was like 10 years ago when I was on the 727. And um, I was at line, of course, with three years. And everybody else had 20 years or above out of Dallas. So um, we landed. Of course, you're in charge. So, of course, you're the junior person in charge and something happens. Of course. It all worked out really good. Nobody got hurt. But we landed in, and uh, one of the landing gears didn't come down. And so... Um, we came in on the side, and it tore one of the, the wings off. It tore one of the wings off? Yeah. On kinda, your flight? Yeah, it kind of tore it back. It, it was attached, but it was all torn back. So, um... Now, did you know anything was wrong before you landed? Oh, yeah. I knew all the uh, the pilot FO kept running out and opening, picking up, like, oh. a piece of carpet to look down. And that's when we get stuck on the cockpit. So I just kind of went in the cockpit and listened to all that was happening. But we landed, and um, so we get everybody off, and... We have to open the two front door, or excuse me, the one right yeah. door, one right door. So one of the doors is really high. Right, that's the one we went out of. And the uh, firemen were all down there, and everything was foamed. And, uh, and so everybody went down the slides? They did. It took Everyone? two flight attendants to get that door locked against the fuselage, because San Francisco's real, really uh, windy. So everybody, we got everybody, you know, calmly down the... Um, did anybody get hurt on the slides? Not one, not one person got hurt. And so it's my turn, and I'm the last one besides the pilots. Now, I had just bought a brand-new Coach backpack purse, and let me tell you, I went... Just like $300. I went and got my brand-new Coach backpack purse, and I put it on. And so the pilots said, you you know, you go on down, we'll, we'll, we'll look at the plane. And I said, okay. So I looked down, and now everybody is out there looking up at the plane, and I looked down at the little fireman, and I said, okay, now you guys don't be looking at my skirt now. And what happens? I 
go down that slide and I almost go head first because my skirt gets caught because it's not slippery. My skirt goes all the way up to my <laughs> armpits. Your I'm skirt goes up to your armpits. And I'm trying to pull my skirt down and then I almost flip off the slide head first. And so they catch me and I'm mortified. So, okay. Well, Everybody else is watching the passenger. They're all watching me. And <laughs> so here I am supposed to be the one in charge and my skirt went up to my armpits. So, um, so we get everybody out on the bus, and I turn around, and what do the pilots got? They got all their luggage. So we have nothing. So, so the pilots took their luggage, and all you took was your expensive backpack. Right. So all the flight attendants, we've got nothing. So we all go to the, um, the terminal, and we sit there for about an hour, and we can't go to the hotel. Everybody's going to the hotel, all the passengers, because we don't have any bags. So what they do is they say, okay, well, you come with us, and they put me on a tug, on a little tug, and, and they put a ramp coat around me because they said the the press is out there so we don't want them knowing that you were on the flight right, so they wrapped, so they, uh, wrapped me up they disguised me and took me out to the plane on this little tug it had to have been 40 degrees out there I mean, it was so cold you know chug 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 as we get out there and the slides are down but there's no way to get onto the plane I was gonna say how'd you get on they had to do some sort of like lifty thing well I tried to walk up it you know crawl no I slid right back down and so this ramper put his hand on my rear end and tried to push me up the slide, and it didn't work. I just slid right back down. Then, then it's slippery. Before, it wasn't slippery when my skirt came up. So then I'm yelling up at the maintenance guys, and this is so funny because I'm saying, okay, it's a bag here, it's a bag there. You know, we put bags everywhere. Well, one of the things that we had left on the plane were our red books because we had pulled them off. So, I mean, this maintenance guy, I kept yelling, it's a red book. She left it in one of the seats. Da, 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 da. He's throwing these sandwiches and, like, and all of a sudden he throws a magazine at me and I realized he, like the magazine red book. he kept trying to look for a red book magazine. <laughs> so, so I get all my luggage, we get it all. About three years later, I'm in Las Vegas on an all-nighter and we have like a little sit and the maintenance guys are on there. and. We could start talking, and I said, yeah, you know, he says, I was in San Francisco, and I go, yeah, I had, like, this emergency landing. He looked at me, and he goes, that was you at the bottom of the, um, of the, of the slide, and I go, was that you? I said, why were you, like, throwing, like, sandwiches and, and stuff at me? He goes, you were crazy. You were asking for food and sandwiches, and I go, no, I wasn't. Isn't that funny that he thinks that? probably somebody's food bag was in a certain so yes. me trying to yell up at him and he him trying to yell down back that's the funny part he goes i thought you were crazy and i i told him i said i thought you were crazy because yeah, you're like i know we just had a big emergency landing but is there any food left little story it's great and plus you did a, you, you were successful you got everybody yeah. out everybody, everybody, got, everybody the only got, thing was here everybody got a show everybody got a show <laughs> That's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel the world together. Thanks. Bye. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? Ew, seriously. They squeeze the grease out of the wool and process it with chemicals, and then you eat it. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. 
the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I got rid of products I didn't want anywhere near my body. I found that many multivitamins contain high amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and even lacked some of the nutrients we actually needed. So what did I do? At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. Ritual's products are made traceable, meaning we share the science and sourcing for every single ingredient. For example, our vegan vitamin D3 comes from sustainably harvested lichen in Nottingham, England, not sheep. We trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. See for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. 